Hello, hello. On today's podcast of Better Leaders, uh, we have a guest who is normally the host. So today, uh, Erno has uh, is switching hats, and he's going to be the guest. And or rather, we are going to have a conversation about something that Erno is very expert on, which is the inner development goals. And uh, he'll. This is uh, based on an initiative by the United Nations uh, to have a sustainable planet by 2030. So we're going to learn more about them and how we can get involved and help that initiative. So Erno, can you tell us uh, tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, so in 2015, initial global goals came to an end between quotes, um, and it changed to the sustainable development goals. It was a treaty, a, a principle that 186 countries uh, of the planet signed, and that meant that we have 17 sustainable goals um, that we want to apply and accomplish by 2030, which is important for the planet because if we don't do this, we will exceed the uh, 1.5 degrees or 2 degrees increase in temperature of the planet. So it's a really important thing that's going on there. And it's been slowly uh, but surely adapted by countries, by nations, by governments, by local governments, by companies. This year, we're halfway on that timeline to 2030 from 2015 scene, and we are not going fast enough. So the goals are about at 30% instead of 50%. So it's been slower than what we need for the planet. And also to keep in mind, um, we as human species, if we want to survive on this planet, we need this. Not just nature or animals, we, we need this too, right? So it's not just about our children anymore, it's about our own future to be on a livable planet. And a couple of people uh, three years ago said, this is going too slow, we need to do something different. And by the way, the SDGs are very, well, intelligently and like external goals. And we believe that uh, if we want to receive, if we want to accomplish external change, we need first internal change. So it starts within. And they interviewed with the questionnaire, with lots of interviews, about a thousand, thousand people and experts um, about what skills would a human person need to contribute to this change, to be part of the change. And they, in the end, came up with a list of 23 skills, and we can show them in a bit, and divided them into five domains. And so that was phase three of the whole research and of all the publications. So the Inner Development Goals is a framework of 23 skills and five domains. And it is like an open source framework, so anybody can use it. And what's been happening since then is an activation of uh, people within countries who started uh, what we call hubs, um, so meetings and people gatherings and communities to talk about, to experiment with, to do exercises with these skills and with well the domains in the IDGs. Why am I so into this? Well, first of all, I think I agree. If we want external change, we need internal change. They are very common skills. I can show you in a bit, but it's they are very scum. Anybody, everybody knows the skills. 
And since it's in a very easy framework, when I talk to when I talk with people about it, they all see it. They all understand, and they all see how the importance is about this. So when I talk about entrepreneurs, or HR people, or just regular people, everyone understands the importance of this. Actually, I see also that in schools, in education, particularly in universities and higher education, it's just flying. It's people really are introducing it and using it, incorporating in 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 studies today. So it's it is it's easy to adapt to this one. Yeah, and that's why I started, you know, being so involved with this. Mm. So I think it might be helpful to understand a little bit more about what the the five domains are and here see a sample of the the behaviors so that we can kind of get a sense of this. Yeah, I've put it on the screen now. So the the five domains are at the top, as you can see, being, thinking, relating, collaborating, and acting. And below each domain, as I click through, you can see it, there are these skills. I will go through them slowly in a bit, but so there's five domains. And you can maybe say that this is also in the importance from left to right, but that's not really how you know I, I think you should look at it because one person might be very good in acting. For example, me, I'm very good in acting, make doing things, and I need work on relating, right? Or another person could be very good on being and needs needs more thinking, right? So that's so uh, it, it it depends on individual capacities and qualities on what kind of skills and domains you want to really pay attention to or we need to start working first. I know we could talk about the specific ones, but my first question is that, you know, I want to immediately when this is over, I'm going to look up and see if there are any hubs in my community. So can I start a hub? How do I start a hub? Or, or what does a hub do? Yeah, I'm going to put it first on the screen to give you. So if you go to the website, innerdevelopmentgoals.org, the website is in English, as you can see. There is a page in the menu, which is called Community. And when you scroll down, you see all the hubs. Wow. So you see them by country and by city. Wow. So when I go to... USA, right here, USA, at the right. You see my mouse? Here you go. Yep, okay. So all the hubs in the USA are here. And there's a contact person behind that because somebody set up this hub and they acquired, and they acquired um, at the international organization saying, I'm going to start this hub, so please list me as the contact person here. You can just look them up on LinkedIn or just send them an email to find out what they are doing, when the next event is. And actually, yes, anybody can start a hub. Of course, it's smart when you are already in an area where there's a hub, it is easier to connect with the ones that are already there instead of starting your own next to the existing one. But um, let's say, for example, there is a hub there that have like a monthly meeting, but you want to start a network specifically for coaches or for leaders or whatever you have in mind, wow. you can do that too, right? So uh, you have the difference between a hub and a network. A network is could be like country-wise and you couldn't you connect all the technical leaders like what's your um, expertise gwen and think about how how the inner development could be uh, important to these uh, technical leaders right uh -huh. so uh -huh. so 
anybody can start a hub. Uh, and the idea is that, well, for most of the hubs, the, hub, the idea is that you organize events for attendees so that people come and they will learn about the inner development goals. And what, what we do in my area, and I'm part of the team of my hub, is uh, we organize monthly events. We usually have a speaker um, who has an expert, expert in some topic which is related to the IDGs. For example, next week we have a professor from a university who has an expertise in technology and brain. Oh. And he's really into the inner development goals. He set a program up for the school for next year. And the topic is from SDG to IDG. What they are gonna do is implement a system to incorporate inner development, so going inwards for students in the next college year. Oh. So he's gonna explain in this meeting to us as attendees what they are doing. So the idea, of course, is that we invite as a team as much people from educational um, background as possible so that they can learn how one school is doing it and how they could hopefully copy it or use it. And then we have like 45 minutes of exercise. So we do a couple of exercises on the inner development goals um, to experience one of those skills that you can train for yourself, how you could do this. It's usually an exercise we do in groups or with two people. And often the speaker brings the exercises. And if not, um, we as a team will do that. But usually the speaker has good exercises from his field of expertise that connect with the IDGs. Oh. Does, does it help? Yeah, that's fascinating. So, okay, so now let's go back to um, the actual behaviors and take a look at one. In fact, maybe later on you could conduct an exercise with me or something. Okay, I think I, I always connect strongly with a couple of skills on these, right? Okay. For example, on, on being, to me, the inner compass is a, a really strong thing that I that I that I feel, and it's because I I have a lot of experience with it because I think it's important to have like long term visions. So if you have a strong inner compass, you know where you what's important to you. It's going to be a lot easier to make decisions. So if you're going to step into a project, if somebody's asking you to join something, somebody asking you to do something. If you have a good inner compass, it's going to be a lot easier to say yes or no to, to something that's coming up. And I think this is really interesting and important to have as a person, instead of just running after everything that comes onto your path, is to make for yourself a really clear what is important to me and how can I contribute to this goal that I have. I think it's also important as a leader to have a, an inner, a clear inner compass. Definitely. Definitely. And I think if you are a leader in an organization, of course, you have the vision of the organization, you have the goals and you have the long term things of the organization. But also then again, for you as a leader yourself, it's important to have your own inner compass so that you know, and one, so you have your values and you have your inner compass. So at some point, maybe that the company decides something that goes against your values or doesn't align with your inner compass. And it's a good thing to come into conclusion for yourself, is this something I want to commit to for a while or do I want to stay here or is this a time for me to move on, right? So that you know, I'm making decisions for the future of my life that's going to help me, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, but there's other ones, right? You have integrity, authenticity. I'm especially interested in self-awareness. Can we take a look at that one? 
Right, of course. So it says below, ability to be in reflective contact with own thoughts, feelings, and desires, having a realistic self-image, and ability to regulate oneself. So obviously, this is really important, right? So you know exactly what I just said before with the inner compass. You know what you stand for, but you also are able to stay in contact with yourself, to have a good view of yourself. What are my things that I'm really good at? What are the things that I'm not so good at? What could I be improving? So the being part for a lot of people is neglected in today's world, right? So they are so driven by thinking and in systems working in organizations and also in their personal life. This is being part is getting not enough attention for them, right? So they just follow what other people prescribe them to do, right? So they, they go to a school that their parents told them is important to them. They go to a job that the community think is important to you, where you make enough money. But in the end, they just run into a burnout because they have no clear view of what they really want. So self-awareness is really important for your well-being. So it's not directly, there's not a direct link between being and saving the planet, but but it is something that's important to develop as a human, would you say? Yes, because I think if you look at it from the relationship between saving the planet, if you become aware of where you stand for, if you become aware of what is needed to be done to make a difference in the world, it becomes easier to make decisions that align with that. Mm-hmm. Not just trusting you know, the, the traditional media or trusting companies with their greenwashing, for example, and thinking about products that you're using. Think about the amount of garbage that you are producing. That's all about self-awareness, right? That's all about being. That's about how you want to act in the world. Mm-hmm. And so... Actually, it is directly connected to a better planet, but in a, on a different level, right? So it's, it's on a deeper level, right? So if you know and think about, so what I do impacts the world, what I do, like if I choose to fly, if I choose to drive, if I choose to bike, if I choose to buy this in plastic, if I choose to buy this product you know, that people throw away all the time, then, then you're making decisions that just are just what everybody's doing all the time. You're not making a difference. You're not making a change. So being yourself and being aware of who you are and making decisions that align with that, that's what we need to f- make the first differences. Well, and first it starts with you as, a, as an individual, as a consumer maybe, but it also then as a employee, how you work in your team, how you can influence that part. Pension funds in Europe are really important, right? So they invest in all kinds of companies and they can decide not to invest in polluting companies or oil companies. You can be voting on parties that you really think about instead of just following directions of other people. So being, being a strong person, being a conscious person, I think is a really important part of making a difference. Yeah, that's a great explanation. And I can see how being involved in a hub would be really affirming and really help strengthen my own being because I would get support from like-minded people. 
and that would strengthen my resolve and my ability to act on these things. Yes, correct. And I think an important thing that I always remember is um, Catherine Hayhoe. She's a professor in ecology. I'm not sure what her title exactly is, but in Canada. And um, she says an important, and she has a great TED talk on this too. An important thing about this, if we want to make a difference, we want to change the world and, and how we um, pollute and everything that we do, dialogue is really important so that we have conversations about it. So, um, and if you have like a community of people who think they also want to make a difference and make a change, it's going to be easier to have dialogues with the same people, of course, but also it will strengthen your um, position in dialogues when you talk with other people who think differently about this topic. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Excellent. So here's thinking, so cognitive skills. And for example, critical thinking skills and critical reviewing validity, right? Of views, evidence, and plans. Uh, but to me, one of the things that I think is really important is long-term orientation and visioning. Most of the people today are very busy with short-term things, right? So we're busy with what do we eat tonight? How can I get from, from work to home? What are I gonna do this weekend? And everything has to do, no, not everything, a lot has to do with convenience. So if I'm working long hours, it's convenient for me to get food directly from the supermarket or from somebody else, which is packaged in plastic. Because it, to me, convenience is important because I already tired for my, for my work, for my job. Mm -hmm. And, but if you look at, if you look at more long-term things, so what can I do to make changes to my life? Because I, I, I really want to um, have an impact for the long term for myself and for my children. Then, when you really think about this, then also your small daily decisions are being impacted by this long term vision. And that's why I think this is a really important thing. I'm not saying the other ones are not important, but this really uh, is important to me. Mm -hmm. What's one thing that you stand out for you? Uh, well, I'm kind of curious about the sense making. Okay. What does that mean? Skills in seeing patterns, structuring the unknown, and being able to consciously create stories. Mm. So, of course, if you look at what's going on in the world and the stories that are being told about it, it can be sometimes very difficult because there's a lot of conflicting stories. Mm. And, and also, if you look at you know how the weather is changing, for example, how the water, how we, how we, you know, how we get the rain or um, storms or drought in some uh, seasons, it's all changing maybe a bit too quick than we, we want. But the um, scientists have been talking this for a long time already, and they have made clear to, to the people who wanted to listen that we are heading in the wrong direction. But the trends now is that most people also now feel it. So the summer is getting so much warmer than it was before. Um, we have to do with droughts, we have to do with flooding, we have to do with all kinds of things that are happening and is caused by actions that we have done in the past as humans. And so it's important to see, so what patterns are there, what's going on, and not just consume information on this, but just go on your own investigation and see if you can see patterns in this and to make your own stories, right? So because stories, 
sharing and telling stories is really important to bring the message forward. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't mean to put you on the spot, Erno, but I have a question about a request for advice, I guess, maybe. So I'm thinking in my community, um, I have a strong value around not using chemicals on my lawn. And I uh, have I, play, I have a boulevard that is technically part of the city. It's part of the city government. It's not my boulevard. It, it's not my property. But I have planned, I've taken it upon myself to plant prairie grass there that has lawn roots. It doesn't need water. Uh, it's uniform looking. However, the the grass itself, I don't, it, you know, I could mow it, but it really um, there's some, uh, there's a stalk that comes up and it has a little flag on it. So it's pretty, uh, or in my opinion. And so it's uniform, but it's too, it, it, we have a six inch rule in our community that an ordinance that you have to keep your, your, your grass has to be, uh, your lawn cover has to be less than six inches. So a couple of weeks ago, I had a representative from the city stop by and asked me about my weeds on my boulevard. And I said, well, those are not weeds. There's not a single weed in there. It's very dense. It doesn't, it, it keeps weeds out. It is a prairie grass and it's ecologically friendly. Um, and, you know, I sort of dared him to give me a fine and make me take it out, you know? <laughs> It's like, and so, you know, here I am trying to do the right thing to save the planet. And, and the city is, <laughs> the city is not cooperating with me. So that's one thing. And the other thing is my neighbors, you know, in our quest to have beautiful lawns, use weed control chemicals. And I, you know, I'm, ridiculous about this i hand pull my weeds and i actually have a weed free yard for the most part and you know every year some new weed comes up and i have to tackle it but you know overall my weed in my yard is pretty you know it's not the most it's not the prettiest yard but it is carefully tended so do you have any suggestions for people who you know like the people who are going to be in the hubs are people that are like-minded so how do you influence how did those hubs in, influence the community to to become more self-aware yeah i just gonna show you i pulled up this book which is called the carbon almanac as you can see it's a forex by seth golden mm -hmm. he's a famous marketeer uh, wrote a lot of books but he's not the author of this book there's there's hundreds of authors in the book and they have all kinds of tips that you could do, um, but also true stories. So they're explaining with science what's going on with the weather. And um, so, so the U.S. is a bit different from where I live in Europe. But as one of the things that he's showing, Seth, and he's also sharing that in his podcast, is these gas-powered leaf blowers, right? For I'm just giving an example, right? Mm -hmm. So these gas-powered um, leaf blowers are really terrible for the environment they make a lot of noise but by the way they are just just they are just terrible for the environment so what they did first um, for example in his community he decided so as the owners of the homes that live in his community 
we decide that um, when people come doing the um, grass or um, the trees or whatever here, they can only use electric machines. So no gas powered machines anymore. And then obviously he says the first time, next time they came when he had this rule, they came again with the gas powered because they acted like they didn't know and they just sent him back. So that's, I think when you have like strong ideas about this, how you can do this, this is a great example, how you can do this in a small community. Mm. Then what they also did is they went to the, I'm not sure if the city or it probably is the city that you can have like also rules in the city, like you have for the grass part, but, and the, and the weeds, but they have a rule now in the city, um, which you could implement with a, you know, when you have like people signing up for a poll saying, we don't want gas powered leaf blowers anymore in our town. Then you can arrange this kind of exclusion for your town about this kind of tools. So there's small things you can do. And I think, like I said before, the most important thing that Catherine Haywell is saying is having conversations with people who think differently on these. And I'm, if I'm looking now at the, um, the part where you talk about grass and the weeds, um, weeds is, of course, a human invention, right? Weeds is a plant. It's just a plant that we don't like, but it's still a plant. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, grass is a very um, monotone product. I have grass, I have a lawn too, but also I try to have also all kinds of other plants. And I think lawns are um, not very biodiverse. So if you look at lawns, not a lot of insects will be attracted to lawns mm -hmm. because there's not a flower there. There's not something growing in there that that's useful to them. So it's easier for the human to to maintain by a grass mower and also, of course, by chemicals to, you know, to, to to exclude the weeds. I think if as humans, th there is a difference between having it well economically and feeling well, so well-being. Mm -hmm. As humans, we should be looking for well-being, right? And spending time in the garden with the hands in, in the soil is immensely contributing to our well-being how weirdly this may sound it really is because it's really it calms you down so it, your brain will just um, start processing things that that's important to you but you will not think about this the, the stupid small things so it helps you to lot and especially when you do this with a community um on not your own lawn but you do on the streets where you live um, you will also increase the sense of community, which is also, again, very important to the well-being of humans because we have to have a feeling that we belong to a group of people. And if you have a group of people who think similarly about this and we think it's important how our neighborhood is looking, we can do something like this. So having conversations with the people around you, not necessarily about we need to change the world, but we can just start with our street and look at ways how we can make it more biodiverse, um, so that we attract insects, we have butterflies in, in, in the summer, we have bees in the summer, and all these insects are really important for our own future as humans. <laughs> so I think um, it's so, I would say, easy. <laughs> it shouldn't be difficult to have like a conversation about this with your neighbors and see how you can, as a community, um, change just this small part in your world and take the first step. Does that help? Yeah, it does. Yeah, thank you. And thanks for sharing that, the Carbon Almanac too.
Yeah. It's it's a really great book. It's it's thick, but you don't have to read the whole book. You can just go through it to um you know, just very specific tips that you can do for yourself or with the community. So it's very but it's also very clear about things what's going on and what is really bad for us and for the for the environment. Mm-hmm. All research, all all backed up by good research and everything is listed in there. So you can also track down the research and look it up as if you want to go deeper in this. So it's a really good book for this. Excellent. And I did hear something about the gas mowers being outlawed. Uh, it, it's somewhere in my community. I'm, I, I'll have to go back and take a look at it, but I, I did see that go by. What else would you like us to know? What would be helpful for us to know so that we can become active at this? Yeah, I, I just want to go back to the um, to show you again some of those yes. um, skills, right? So relating, I think this is like I just mentioned before, right? So let's say, for example, connectedness, right? So it's having a keen sense of being connected with and or being a part of a larger whole, such as a community, humanity, or global ecosystem, like I just described before. You can make this very small. If you think about connectedness with you, with your neighbors, with your family, everything that you can do with connectedness is just improving your well-being as a human. I mean, maybe not directly. Maybe you don't feel it right away. It doesn't feel like you're getting money in the bank or something. But the plus is also somebody else who you have a connection with also improves their well-being. So you're having a great impact on other people as well. And we also know by you know, taking is less important to us as giving. So giving gives us more satisfaction than actually taking. So giving connectedness to other people is also a great part for well-being. And um, empathy and compassion, right? So being able to relate to others, to listen to their stories instead of just directly go into the fight. We have, yeah, we have so many topics today that are so hard that if we talk about it, we get into a fight right away. But being able to listen and to to show empathy and to look at their standpoint in this in this position into this conversation just it makes it so much different the outcome of your conversation mm-hmm. i'd like oh i'd like can I, i'd like to make a comment about the connectedness because you know that also is a way to reduce stress and people are under a lot of stress these days and there's a lot of talk about burnout and you know, helping people is a way of reducing stress. And no, I agree. I mean, stress, um, burnout, we have been talking uh, with our team and also in the podcast before about, you know, how we can improve the working conditions and improve the conditions of, of, of people to create better humans. The um, IDG summit, so the Inner Development Goal Summit was three weeks ago. And it's a huge summit. It was in Sweden. Um, Fifteen hundred people were there live, but um, seven thousand people joined online. No, sorry, five thousand people joined online from all over the world. And one of the first presentations on day one was about how we feel as humans. And today, now, there are more people dying from um, suicide than any other cause. So the immense stress that we as humans feel today, if it's right or not, that's not important, but what we feel leads to 
a lot of people to take their own lives, to make decisions, to take their own, their own lives. That for me was a terrible insight from that event. So sad to hear this, that so many people are just in such a psycholic, psychological situation that they feel that there is no way out and the only way out is to take their own lives. I think that's, that's unequal. That's not what we want because we have a great world. We have, we have lots of money. We have lots of resources, but just they're all very unevenly distributed. And that's mm -hmm. why people are in pain and so much trouble. And by just feeling connected to other people um, and just giving them space and, and again, like showing empathy and compassion and having conversations with these people gives us an opportunity and also a tool to to change this, to work on this horrible situation right now. Mm -hmm. And that's not even about the environment or about nature or anything. It's just humans taking their own lives because they don't see any way other out. You know, uh, this week I've been conducting group coaching sessions with people who work in a corporate environment. And it's an internet, a global group. Uh, and it's interesting how you talk about this because one of the topics that came up yesterday is something that I think is very important. This is a global company that has employees all over the world and every team is international. It is, is combines people from different countries. And I was speaking with a group who was mostly in Asia uh, yesterday and they were talking about, you know, they have, they have to learn English and that's very difficult. And it's difficult when they're talking in technical terms, they understand the conversation. But it, when it comes to making a personal connection with one another, it's very difficult because they don't always understand the idioms. And so they always feel they, they feel more connected with their uh, same language partners than they do with perhaps their American or European partners. And you know, it has it has such a an impact on productivity and well-being. I think that if if you feel that kind of stress that you can't communicate or aren't being seen as a person in your work, that you know people can appreciate your technical expertise, but if they don't see you as a person and an individual, that is very difficult. So and it. You know, it takes longer to have conversations. So, you know, we have, you know, we have these strict or rigid meeting schedules that we have to adhere to. And, and you know, it just takes more time to communicate with, with someone who speaks a different mother tongue. So um, I think that's also a consideration for leaders that to take into account the the environment, the global environment and the impact that it has on us. It's it's wonderful. It it's amazing that we have the technology to be able to do this. And there's a human component that we need to pay attention to. Yeah, I agree. I um I just thought about this with the whole conversation we have about this topic is there is a great new series on Netflix for people who have Netflix. And if you don't, mm. you can look it up on YouTube as well. But you know, Netflix is really convenient in one place, which is called Live to 100. And it, 
this guy, um, Dan Butner, he's done research to the so-called blue zones. So the blue zones in the world are where people live longer than any places in the world. So they have more centennials. So people live over 100 than any place in the world. And it's it, and he's visiting these zones and asking questions and finding out, so what's happening in these zones? What's different than any other place? And they're like, I think there's like nine points that you can find which makes a difference what probably turns these zones into blue zones. And also, if you look at it, if you will be paying more attention to it, you will probably also live longer. So it's it's a really interesting show. And it shows the importance of connection. It shows the importance of, of course, of exercises, but not in a way that we think of it going to a, a workout. No, it's about exercise of doing everything, you know, by hand, right? So he's visiting this tribe in South America uh, where this man of 80 is still daily chopping his own wood. And also not just a man, but also an old lady is doing the same thing. So uh, <laughs> this guy from 82, he's riding his horse and driving up the cows to new meadows every day. They're not exercising in a gym mm -hmm. or running like I do, but they just exercise, but just doing the work, just work every day and just doing very mundane, mundane and simple things, but in a way, cooking and um, eating together is an important part of 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 life for them but also relaxation so doing the work for example starting at 5 a.m and then working to noon and then the afternoon relax just spend time with family and just or take a nap or just relax so also relaxation instead of just planning a day completely full is an important part of how they live i think um, if you watch the documentary, it's it's really interesting, it's funny, it's easy to understand. Uh, it's a good start to you know to to go into this detail of finding um, ways to work on your relating and collaborating part, right? And also also the being part is actually been taken care of because it's spending time on your own and reading, for example, or meditating. It's been it's also talked about. I think that's. These skills are not difficult, right? So they're all around us. So we all use them every day, right? For example, courage, the ability to stand up for your values and make decisions and also take action on that. I think that's, it's easy. It speaks for itself. It's not difficult. But the idea to have them in one framework and to create exercises on this, I think that makes a difference. Mm -hmm. Well, this has been wonderful, Erno. Thank you for this introduction to the inner development goals and helping helping us understand better what we can do and for giving us the resources to um, to to get connected and with our community. And it just sounds like um, reinforcing a very lovely way of life. Uh, not only is it is it towards saving the planet, but it's making life more pleasurable and meaningful here now. So um, thank you. I, I want to add one more thing. Because we have a monthly online meeting with practitioners. So people are really working with the inner development goals. And we have people just starting with that. And people who have been working long with those. That's not important. Um, but at some point, they asked us, so what is your challenge? What is something that you're struggling with? And I, 
I was working with Coach Me. I was in the team, and we were just working talking about habits. And I think it's really important to develop habits, develop your way that how you act. And um, I, and I came to this inner development goals idea really enthusiastic, but I I couldn't combine the two. Right, I couldn't figure out how how I can make this work to 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 work on this on the same goal with the two of them. So then somebody came up with the idea with inner development um, or IDG habits. So now I've renamed it to inner development habits because not everybody knows what IDG stands for. But um, so what I did was, so if you look at the skills that we just looked at before, there's always something that you can think of. What's the smallest thing that you can do to start working on your improvement of that skill? So daily exercise or daily actions, that's what we believe in at coach.me and how we work to help people to become better humans or better leaders as in this podcast. Daily actions are important. So what's the smallest thing that you can do, for example, to improve your skill of courage or your skill of your um, inner compass or your skill of a critical thinking, right? So um, what's the small thing that you can do every day at the same time to really work on this consciously? And I think that was, um, for a lot of people, it still is a, a memorable thing. People talk about it. People say, that's a really great idea how we can do this. And it's so simple. It's not difficult, easy to do. And if you have questions about it, if you have, you want to work with this, right? So um, here on the screen right now, there's the QR code of my profile on coach.me. You can connect with me there. You can connect with me on LinkedIn. That's also okay. Also, you can find me just there with Anna Honing and ask me questions about it. I, I'm really happy to answer all those questions and to help you. If you want to start a hub, if you need help there, if you have questions where you need to be, just ask them. And I'm I'm more than willing to help you out that part. That's excellent. I don't know. Thank you. Um, so let's close it off. Okay. Like you already trying to do. <laughs> Sorry no. for that one. <laughs> well, thank you very much for your, for your, um, your discussion today. It's been fascinating. I know I've enjoyed it and I am really happy that we were able to highlight this in, in better leaders today. So thank you, Erno. Thank you, Gwen, for having this conversation with me.